Welcome to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Be Set Free features the teaching ministry of Pastor Nick Cady. Pastor Nick's desire is to bring the gospel into our lives so we can experience the joy and freedom that can only be found through Jesus. Today's message comes from our series, The Pursuit of Happiness, a verse-by-verse study of the book of Philippians. Here's Pastor Nick. Actions shape attitudes. If you will choose to rejoice in what you know, then those actions will affect your attitude. So that's the power of changing your mind. We see that here with the Apostle Paul. This brings us to our second important thing that we see in this section, and that's this. There are two sides to every chain. There are two sides to every chain. Please read with me uh, chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul's saying this, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that in spite of these bad circumstances, God has been using this in incredibly good ways. He said, I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Here's one of the things which Paul knew, which helped him not to lose heart in spite of his circumstances. He knew that nothing can get to you without going through him, meaning through Jesus. Nothing can get to you. If you are in him, nothing can get to you without going through Jesus. You know, that's the reason why Paul, throughout everything he's been through, he, he doesn't become bitter. He's able to look at all these things that have happened to him. And he doesn't grow bitter no matter what happens. Snake bites, shipwrecks, being lied about. None of this stuff makes him bitter. Why? Because he knew nothing can get to me without going through him. So I'm not going to be bitter about my circumstances because Jesus has approved them and he loves me. To be a Christian, the Bible would say, is positionally that you are in Christ. In Christ. That's your position as a Christian. It says in the Bible that your life is hidden in Christ. It's kind of like if you would put on like one of those big mascot costumes, right? Like zip that thing up. Whenever anybody looks at you, they don't see you. You're hidden inside that costume. You're zipped up in it. All they can see is what's on the outside. And the idea is that when God looks at you, if you are in Christ, he sees Jesus. He doesn't see your faults. He sees Jesus in his perfection, in his righteousness, in his holiness. And here's the thing though. If you are in Christ, then nothing can get to you without going through him. If Satan wants to attack you, he's got to file paperwork. He's got to put in a work order that's going to be on God's desk. God's got to sign off on that thing before anything can happen to you. Nothing can get to you without going through him. And do you know why that should comfort you? Do you know why that comforted the Apostle Paul? Because Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, than that they would give their life for their friends. And then he said, you are my friends. And then he gave his life for us. And in Romans chapter 5, Paul says this, God shows his love for us. He proves his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Here's the proof that God loves you. He laid down his life for you. He gave, the Father gave his only son for you. If that doesn't prove to you, if that doesn't convince you that he loves you and that he's committed to you, then I don't think anything else will. You see, nothing can get to you without going through him and he loves you and if if you are in him he's not looking to destroy you he's looking to do something good and so that's exactly what Paul has experienced in his life 
He's experienced a lot of hard things, a lot of bad things, snake bites, shipwrecks, imprisonments, people lying about him. But in all of these things, he realizes none of these things can come to me unless they go through him. In other words, God has signed off on these things. And if God has signed off on these things and he loves me, then he must have a good purpose with these things. He must be working all of these things for good. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. I'm not bitter. I'm not despairing because I know that nothing can get to me without going through him. And he, has, he loves me. And he's got a good plan that he's working out. The other thing here, there are two sides to every chain, aren't there? There are two sides to every chain. Paul is in chains, like literally. He's locked in a room, chained 24 hours a day to Roman soldiers from the Praetorian Guard. They didn't have GPS ankle bracelets, you know, and like uh, invisible fences that could shock you if you tried to run away back in the day. And so to make sure that people who were going to face trial didn't just run off and disappear, this is how they had to do it. They would chain you to a guard and lock you in a room. And so that's what Paul's doing right now. He's chained up and locked in a room. How claustrophobic would you be after two years of being locked in the same room and 24-7 being chained to somebody See, Paul had prayed that God would take him to Rome. But not like this. Not like this, God. Why does it have to be like this? I wanted to go to Rome, but not like this. I wanted to go to Rome as a preacher, not a prisoner. And he wanted to come to Rome so he could tell the people of this great city about Jesus and who Jesus was and what Jesus had done. And now we can't do that because he's locked in this dumb room and tied to this dumb soldier. See, in a letter he wrote to the Romans before all this stuff happened, Here's what Paul said. He said, I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. He's fired up. He's excited about doing this. He, he wants to come to Rome and preach the gospel. But that was before all this other stuff happened to him. That was before he got arrested and snake bites and shipwrecks and people trying to assassinate him. And now, now he can't do what he originally wanted to do because he's locked up in this dumb room and chained to these dumb soldiers. Why, God? I just wanted to serve you, he might have said. I wanted to preach the gospel. I wanted to tell people about Jesus, but now I can't do that because I'm locked up in this room and chained to this dumb guy at the end of the chain. If only I wasn't in this situation, if only my circumstances were different, then I would serve you because then it would be different. Uh, But now I can't because I'm stuck in this room and I'm chained to this Roman. But that's not what Paul said, is it? That's what he could have said. That's what we sometimes feel or think or say. But that's not what Paul said. Do you know what Paul said? He said, you know what? It's not me who's chained to this Roman guard. I've got a Roman guard chained to me. It's not me who's locked in this room. I've got these guys locked in the room with me. They can't go anywhere. I can talk about whatever I want. We've got six hours. You're on the clock. And then when you're done, when, you, when you've had enough of six hours of listening to the Apostle Paul, well then bring on the next guy and we'll just keep going for it. I almost wonder, Paul must not have slept very much because, you know, he's got a lot to take care of and he's got new guys coming in all the time. God was like, Paul, you want to reach Rome? Or you want to reach the Roman people for the gospel? Well, here's your chance. There's one right there. He's handcuffed to you. You've got a captive audience. It's not you who's a, a captive. It's him. He's a captive of you. And every six hours, I'll give you a new one. And you can just have it the next one. You see, there are two sides to every chain, aren't there? Not only is Paul chained to a Roman, but the Romans are chained to the Apostle Paul, the most persuasive evangelist the world has ever known. And one by one, these soldiers are starting to come to faith as they spend their time with Paul the Apostle over the course of two years. 
It says at the end of this letter, Paul tells the Philippians in uh, chapter 4, verse 21 and 22, he says, All the believers in Rome send their greetings to you. And here's the cool part. He says, especially those of the household of Caesar. Do you know who that was? That's the Praetorian Guard. People within Caesar's household were becoming Christians as a result of Paul having been smuggled in there by God as a prisoner. How did that happen? Because God signed off on Paul being arrested. God signed off on Paul being lied about. God signed off on Paul being shipwrecked and this and that and down the line. You see, if those things hadn't happened, he wouldn't end up here. He could have never got himself into this situation. Caesar's household included the Praetorian Guard. That's the secret service. You see, imagine if Paul had come to Rome like he originally wanted to. And you know, he started a little Bible study, put up his sign somewhere. Or maybe they started a Bible study in somebody's house, you know, on a couch. They're all setting up the chairs and everything. And then, you know, Paul would go out on the street and he would invite people. He's got some flyers. Hey, come check out our Bible study. And, you know, what's he going to do? Is he going to walk up to the Praetorian Guard? Hey, uh, you want to come to my Bible study? It's at this uh, guy's house over here, you know, in his apartment. Do you think that he would have just walked up to the members of Caesar's household and said, Hey, uh, you guys want to come to my Bible study? How do you think that would have gone? Probably not very well. But now, in God's providence, these people who would have never given Paul the time of day, who would have never attended his Bible study, God has brought the Bible study to them. And he's got them chained to the Apostle Paul. You see, what happened here was above and beyond anything that Paul could have ever manufactured or worked out on his own. He couldn't have possibly even chosen a more influential group of people than the Praetorian Guard. These are the people who worked directly with Caesar himself. And later on, the Praetorian Guard became the people who would choose the successor for the Caesar when a, when a Caesar died. And now they're locked up in a room with the Apostle Paul for six hours every day. And you can imagine how this would have gone. Because, see, Paul, he hasn't yet been convicted of a crime. And so he was allowed to have certain privileges. And the main privilege was that even though he couldn't leave this little room, uh, people could come and visit him. And so we know from his letters that people did come and visit him. We know that Luke visited him, the one who wrote the book of Acts. We know that Timothy came and visited him. We know that Epaphroditus came and, a visit and visited him. So Paul's Christian friends are coming by. They're hanging out, you know, for a week or two at a time. And they would talk and they would pray and they would read the Bible and they would sing to God. And Paul would write these letters and he wrote them by dictation, which means he would say what he wanted to write down and his friends would write it down. Now some people say the Apostle Paul uh, had bad eyes. And that's why he wrote these letters by dictation and had his friends write them down. I say, maybe, but maybe he knew that there's these guards chained to him and he wants them to hear everything he says. He's shaking the chains. You hearing this? I want you to catch what I'm saying right now. You know, he would make sure that they heard everything he said. And so these men, these guards, they're listening to Paul pray. They're hearing him talk about the Lord. And probably at first they thought, this guy's weird. He's some religious fanatic, you know, and that's why he's in jail because he's some kind of, you know, religious weirdo. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Nick Cady of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We'll get back to the remainder of this message in a moment. We are open for in-person worship on Sunday mornings with services at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. Come grow with us on Sunday mornings, online or in person at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. Now, back to Pastor Nick with the remainder of today's message. And then, uh, you know, eventually they'd ask him, you know, so what's your deal? You've always been, you know, kind of like a 
Jesus lover, goody two-shoes type of guy. And Paul would say, no, actually, I, uh, I used to hate Jesus. Like, I hated him so much that I helped kill a bunch of his followers. And they'd be like, really? You? Are you serious? Well, that's kind of cool. And then now he's got some street cred with these guys, right? And over time, they realize that Paul's the real deal. That he's the same person no matter who's around. He's not putting on a show. This is for real. They see him suffer. They see him pray. They see him cry. They see him praise. And eventually they'd say, okay, so, so what's the deal with this Jesus? Who is this Jesus guy? What's this all about? How did you come, you know, from being a guy who hated this to being a guy who, who is now suffering for this? And he would say, well, I'm really glad you asked. And I'd love to tell you about it. And you can imagine that one by one, as these Praetorian Guard are coming to faith in Jesus Christ, they begin to talk to people they know about Jesus. And now their meetings with Paul aren't about Paul evangelizing them, but it's Paul discipling them. And then six hours a day, they're locked in the room with Apostle Paul. It becomes like Bible school for these guys. All of this happened. Why? Because God signed off on Paul's suffering. God said yes to Paul's suffering. He signed off on Paul being arrested he signed off on Paul being lied about and shipwrecked and locked up in a small room and chained to somebody 24 hours a day. You see, Paul's suffering was his passport into this situation. It was his passport into these people's lives. There are two sides to every chain. Not only is Paul chained to a Roman, a Roman is chained to Paul. And these difficult circumstances were his passport into this situation, into these people's lives that he would have never had otherwise. There are two sides to every chain. And it begs the question, the obvious question from you to ask yourself, what are you chained to? What is the thing which you feel stuck in? You feel like, man, you wish you could just run away from it sometimes. You're stuck in it though and you feel kind of trapped in it. What is it for you? Is it your job? You feel trapped in a, in a marriage? You say, man, I, I'm in this marriage. I don't feel kind of trapped in this. Is it school? Is it your kids, you know? I'm just locked in this house with these kids and I can't get out of here and I feel trapped. Do you feel like there's something that you're chained to that you can't get away from? Here's what you need to know. There are two sides to every chain. There are two sides to every chain and there's nothing that can get to you without first going through him and therefore God has a purpose for having you in that situation that you're in that you feel trapped in. Matthew Henry is an author. He wrote an extensive commentary on the Bible uh, a few hundred years ago. And I generally don't like reading it because he, I think his goal was to say everything that could possibly ever be said about everything. Like he has this ex hugely extensive commentary on the Bible. But he says something really good here. Matthew Henry, here's what he says about this verse right here. He says, Paul is claiming that God is the only alchemist. Alchemist, right? So I was like, I think I understand what that means, but I'm not sure I do. I, I thought, well, isn't an alchemist just like a pharmacist, right? Like from back in the day. Well, it turns out that's not what alchemy is. Probably you guys know this, but what alchemy is, is that in the Middle Ages, there was this idea, there was this theory that you could find a process through which you could turn lead into gold. And so alchemists were people who were trying to turn lead into gold. And uh, people were trying to figure this out because at that time, lead was considered to be a worthless metal. They, they didn't know what to use it for. And it was soft. You couldn't do a lot with it. And so people were trying to figure out a process through which they could turn lead 
into gold, this useless, worthless, good-for-nothing thing into something beautiful and valuable. And they figured if you could find the process for doing that, I mean, you would be infinitely wealthy. But of course, nobody ever figured it out. Nobody ever figured out the secret to alchemy for turning lead into gold. But what Matthew Henry is saying is that God does that all the time. He does it all the time. He takes the useless, the worthless, the the good-for-nothing things of this world, and he turns them into pure gold, something precious, something valuable. See, we see that throughout the Bible, don't we? We see it here in the life of Paul. God has taken good-for-nothing circumstances, being in jail, being lied about, and God has turned them into something of incredible value, something beautiful, something wonderful. And let me tell you this, God will do the same thing in your life as well if you are in him because God is the only alchemist. He's the only true alchemist. This is his business. This is what he does. He turns lead into gold and he doesn't just do it in our lives with our circumstances. He also does it with our lives. He takes your life, which is like lead, and he puts it through this process of refining and forming and shaping and changing and working in you in order to turn you into gold something valuable, something precious, something beautiful. And if you know that, if you know, as Paul did, that God is the only alchemist, that God is in the business of turning lead into gold, then when you do face difficulties in life, you begin to go into them and you start to wonder, you start to look around and say, I wonder how God's doing it in this situation. I wonder what God's up to right now. I wonder how he's going to turn this situation into gold. And you begin to look for it. You begin to look for how God is going to turn these these worthless situations into gold. But there's an interesting thing. Let's, uh, Let's read verse 19 and 20. He says this, I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. It's my eager expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether through life or through death. See, now here's why that's an interesting statement because he begins by saying, I know you guys are praying for me and I'm sure that this will turn out for my deliverance. And you think, oh, deliverance. He's talking about that God's gonna get him out of these bad circumstances. But then he says, at the end of verse 20, he says, I may live and I may die. So in other words, he's saying, he, he, when he's talking about deliverance, he's not necessarily talking about getting out of jail. He's talking about a different kind of deliverance. What he's saying is this, not only is God turning my bad circumstances into gold and using these bad things for good, but he's also using these circumstances in order to turn me from lead into gold. He's turning me into gold through these things that are happening to me. Nothing can get to me without going through him. And I trust that God has allowed these things to happen both for the furtherance of the gospel and for my good. He's using these things in my life. It's part of his process of turning me from lead into gold. And these things that have happened, it's happened for his ultimate glory and ultimately for my good. So there are two sides to every chain. Nothing can get to you without going through him. God is the only alchemist turning good-for-nothing stuff into pure gold. That brings us to our final point, and that is engaging in the right conflict. Please read with me from verse 14. Most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. 
The former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Paul's saying this, another good thing that has happened as a result of me being in jail is that people have been inspired by it and they're more bold to talk about Jesus. Now, some of these people, though, they do this, their motivation in doing this is envy and rivalry, which is not good because here's, the, here's what was happening. With Paul out of the picture, there were people who were kind of jockeying for position, trying to promote themselves as leaders, taking advantage of the void created by Paul being in jail. They were preaching the right message, but from the wrong motives. And here Paul is saying, you know what? I don't care. I'm just glad that the gospel is being preached because that's what I'm living for. I'm not living for my own career. I'm not living for prestige. I'm not living for fame. Those things are not my life. You can take those things away from me and you can have them. There's only one thing that is my life. For me to live is Christ. Let me ask you in closing, what is the thing that you are living for? What is the thing that you would say, this is my life. If I have this, then I have life. This is my purpose for existence. This is my reason for being. This is the thing which is most important to me. This thing drives me. It is my life. For some people, it's their career. For, for other people, it's their family. You know, kids are your life. They are your reason for being. Or maybe it's your spouse or your status, your position, your identity, what other people think about you. You have made that your life. It's the thing that you live for. And if you ever were to lose it, then you would feel that there is no more reason to go on. But here's Paul in jail, and everything has been taken from him. And now he's faced with this situation where other people are trying to promote themselves above him while he's in jail. And he wants the Philippians to know that even though these people's hearts are not right in doing this, what they're doing doesn't bother him. Because his career is not his life. His status is not the thing that he's living for. These things don't define his life. If he were to lose all of it, his ministry, his friends, his possessions, he would still be okay. Because the gospel has redefined life for him. It has redefined death. Because of what Jesus did for him, his life has taken on a new meaning, a new direction, a new purpose. He's not living for status. He's not living for those things. And if he loses them, then so what? Let them have it. He's living for something so much bigger. Something which no one and nothing can ever take away from him. And because of that, he can have joy in the midst of even the darkest circumstances. Because for him to live has been redefined. For him to live is Christ and to die is gain. And therefore he was absolutely fearless because he was completely secure. Here's what you find when you look to Jesus. You find that his whole life was lived for you. His whole life, his whole coming, it was for you. His death, it was for you. When you embrace what he did for you, your life and your death take on a whole new meaning. You gain a purpose in life and you gain a hope in death that no one and nothing can ever take away from you, and a joy in your soul which is indestructible. Lord, we thank you for this hope of the gospel. We thank you for the implications of it. Lord, we thank you for these things that we know, these things that we know about your loving providence. Lord, that you are the God who's in control of everything, and therefore nothing can get to us without going through you. Lord, thank you that we know these things. Thank you that, Lord, if you've signed off on something in our lives, you've done it for a good purpose, not to destroy us, but because you want to do something for your glory and for our good. 
Lord, help us to know these truths. Help us to be reminded and to remember these truths. And Lord, thank you for the gospel. Thank you, Lord, that, that although we are more sinful than we even realize, we are more loved by you than we could have ever dared to dream. Thank you, Lord, that we are more accepted in you and forgiven by you because your son was rejected, because your son suffered, because you lived and died for us. Thank you for that. And, and may we, like the Apostle Paul, may we live for you so that death itself is not a loss, but even a gain. I pray for anybody here today who would say, you know what, I want that, but I'm not there. I want to be there though. And Lord, I pray for anybody here today who says, you know what, today's the day when I need to take that step and say, yes. Yes, Lord, I, I choose to live for you. I want to walk with you. I want to make my life Christ. I want to be in Christ, wholly and completely. Lord, I pray for those people that they would, they would pray together with me now and just say, Lord, thank you for, for dying for my sins. I confess that I'm a sinner and that I need a Savior. And thank you, Lord, that you are my Savior. You're everything that I need. Lord, thank you for dying for my sins. And I receive your forgiveness. And I choose today to walk with you and to follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name. You've been listening to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have three in-person services on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. And our 9.30 and 11 services are live streamed on our website for those who would like to worship with us online. We are located just east of County Line Road and Highway 119 at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. For more information or to hear other messages from Pastor Nick, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. Be Set Free is a listener-supported program. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support this ministry, you can send a donation via check to 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504, or donate online at besetfreeradio.com. Music